0: what's happening everybody my name is anthony correnti and thank you as always for checking out another episode of the dynasty drive and we're officially into week two of the nfl season already that's it crazy week one in the books i appreciate anybody who uh, listened to the earlier show this week where we recapped all of week one with uh, peter trena and we're gonna—I'm actually recording this as Week Two is kicking off right now with Browns Bengals. Uh, we've got some production going on already, and Odell Beckham score, and Nick Chubb score. We'll recap that when we recap all of Week Two next week. But what I want to do today, and the episode may run a little bit shorter than uh, they typically do, is I want to kind of jump in and get an early reaction at some of the rookies that we previewed when I first kicked off this podcast back in uh, June or July where we previewed some of the rookie running backs and rookie wide receivers. And I know it's super, super early week one, but there's always something to take away early. Uh, I'm interested to kind of get back into some of these guys and see who we were excited about back then that maybe, you know, things changed in the interim and um, not as exciting right this second. And also who kind of got off to a hot start and is definitely somebody to be excited about. So Let's kind of kick things off with the running back group, um, and we'll get into the the big guys first like we did last time as well. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is is as advertised. Um, multiple times we've said on the show that he was pretty much, for the most part, I don't want to say consensus, but a very easy pick at the 101 in rookie drafts. Um, if you went between him and Jonathan Taylor, you couldn't really go wrong with either in my eyes, but Edwards-Alaire was... I don't I almost don't want to say everything that we expected him to be because he was super impressive as a runner in week 1 but what was so so interesting was that he was not involved almost at all as a receiver I believe he was targeted 2 times Uh, Zero catches, and of course that'll balance out over time, and the catches will come, and he'll get involved in the passing game. It'll it'll be almost impossible for him not to. But the thing that's incredible to me is that I mean they handed him the ball 25 times his first game as a rookie, and uh, it's such a I guess almost cliche comparison to make with Andy Reid, and uh, you know just the running style a little bit. But there's just so many plays in that game last week uh, against the Texans where he reminded me so much of um of brian westbrook and i think when he can continue to grow and get involved in the passing game there the sky is really the limit for him both in the short and long term he's obviously going to be a very very productive uh, valuable player in the short term and i think it's really only going to go up Um, there's really not a lot to be disappointed on on the limited showing that we have um, 25 carries was way, way more than I thought he would get if, and if we know that he's capable of handling that, um, and it, it's kind of scary just for the chiefs offense as a whole, honestly, uh, it's a freakish thing that it's like, you know, Pat Mahomes can come out and be Pat Mahomes and, you know, wing the ball over the yard to Kelsey Mecole Hardman, Tyreek Hill, uh, Sammy Watkins, when he shows up, uh, kind of unpredictably, but if they also have that ability to hand a guy the ball 25 times a game and kind of grind some clock uh, and produce in that way, it's very, very scary for what their offense could be in real terms, uh, real life football. And Edwards-Alaire is definitely going to be a huge benefactor uh, and be a hu- he's a locked in as an RB1 in all formats, uh, especially, specifically in Dynasty, but he's locked in as an RB1 in redraft and keeper leagues as well. But uh, yeah, you could certainly do worse than him. Now, the guy that I had as my RB1 in the rookie class, right after, uh, right either before him or after him, depending on your personal opinions, was Jonathan Taylor. And what was standing in Jonathan Taylor's way early on was uh, the crowded nature of that backfield, right? We knew, I shouldn't say we knew, but I had a a good feeling that Naheem Hines was going to continue to be involved as a pass catcher just based on uh, his skill set and based on what. Phil Rivers' uh, tendencies can be as a quarterback at this stage of his career and his willingness to target the running back. Uh, Naheem Hines kind of fit that role perfectly, but more specifically uh, in terms of uh, maybe shorting Jonathan Taylor's value in the short term was Marlon Mack's uh, presence in the backfield as well. And obviously it's unfortunate to see any player get injured, especially a serious injury like an Achilles injury for Marlon Mack. Uh, hopefully he can get healthy and either latch on with a new team or come back in a, a a role behind Jonathan Taylor next year. I know he's headed towards free agency, so it's really kind of worst possible timing in terms of uh, an injury. It's never a good time to have an injury, but specifically when he's not under contract next year, you really feel for the player. But uh, now there's nobody standing in Jonathan Taylor's way in terms of that early down running back work. Um, and crazy enough, we saw him be way more involved in the passing game than i think anybody probably expected uh, initially whether marlon mack was there or not so we saw him get involved as a receiver again i've said multiple times on this podcast that philip rivers has almost an addiction to targeting the running back in the passing game uh, i think him and Hines are both going to be involved in the passing game i think the passing game at this point is really going to be funneled a lot through Hines, Taylor, Paris Campbell, T.Y. Hilton, and uh, with Michael Pittman Jr. hopefully continuing to grow in his role and kind of take on more of that work eventually there as well. Um, But yeah, Taylor is – oh, man, he's – Huge value for me right now. Um, I really, I honestly have zero shares of Jonathan Taylor in Dynasty, and it's heartbreaking to me because I think the arrow is pointing so far up. Uh, the th- The only thing that was holding back the short term value was that there was such a crowded backfield, and I thought that he would eventually take over that work anyway this year. But now that he's the unquestioned, you know, lead guy in terms of who you can turn around and hand the ball to, because while Hines is going to be involved he's not going to take you know 10 15 carries a game or anything like that he's probably going to get you know 7 8 carries 5 to 7 carries something like that uh, get a bunch of targets in the passing game but he's not somebody that's going to eat too too much into the uh, you know total carry count for Jonathan Taylor it's exciting to see what he can be in the short term. In the long term, he is one, a locked in as well as an RB1 in Dynasty. Um, both players, both Taylor and Edwards Allaire, really, really exciting. Um, the potential for both of them is through the roof, and I'm uh, really excited to see how they both end up. Now, after those two guys was where it started to get a little more debatable for some people. My RB3 in this class was J.K. Dobbins and jk dobbins and dynasty i've always looked at you know if if there wasn't such such fantastic prospects ahead of him uh the guy that has the potential to be an rb1 in a class but what was kind of concerning about his short-term value was that you know there was mark ingram there is gus edwards uh justice hill still there wasn't really clear how involved he would be off the jump there was a lot of you know glowing reports through training camp and um I was gonna say preseason, but it wasn't really a preseason. Uh, but a lot of glowing reports through training camp that he was flashing in the passing game. Um, he was really doing some exciting stuff on a day in day out basis, and that he was going to be involved. And we saw that week one, um, two touch, two short touchdowns in in week one for the for the Ravens. And what's really, what's really uh, encouraging to me is that he had those two short touchdowns, he was the back they trusted with those goal line carries. And that's incredibly valuable in any offense, but especially in a rushing offense as potent as the Baltimore Ravens. I really think that week one was probably a sign of things to come, and I think he's really going to take a bigger hold on that lead job than we maybe initially anticipated uh, with Mark Ingram being there this year. It's always kind of been through the scope of oh in 2021 Dobbins is going to be a monster in 2021 and 2021. well it's starting to look like in 2020 JK Dobbins is going to be a useful player um, regardless of who else is around him. I think that Ingram will still be involved and you know it's a bit of a committee situation but that in week one them giving him the team giving him those two goal line opportunities um, is really huge. In his short-term value I still he's locked in as a you know in in terms of moving forward uh, especially if Mark Ingram's not on the team next year there's not a lot of running backs um, I mean there's some running backs I'd prefer to have over him obviously but he's one of the most exciting players uh, in terms of long-term future and if we can now count on that 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 value and that ability paying off in the short term as well um, he's somebody that if you have him right now, I'm happy to be playing him as an, as an RB2 if I have a, another established running back ahead of him. And if not, uh, the window's probably closing where you can get him for a reasonable offer because the current uh, manager probably rostering Dobbins is rightfully very excited about him. But now's the time. If you can acquire him in a trade, if you weren't lucky enough to draft him in a, in a rookie draft uh, and you want to get him, now's the time to try and trade for him because I don't think it's going to get cheaper. I think if you want him on your team, now's the time to try and go make a move, whether you have depth at receiver and you can flip a receiver for a running back. Uh, if he's somebody that you're interested in having on your dynasty team, I think now is the time before the value shoots up as the year goes on. Uh, not going to get any cheaper. Uh, the next two guys, DeAndre Swift. Ugh. I was just kind of bummed out (laughs) about where DeAndre Swift is right now. And it's not his fault. And I know everybody wanted to kill him over that drop touchdown uh, in that game last week for the Lions. But he's a rookie. You know, these things are going to happen. He's going to drop passes. These things happen from time to time. Um, But, man, I'm still really, really excited about him as a prospect long term. But the value this year is just kind of a mess. The Lions bring in Adrian Peterson, and it just feels like a situation where there's no way they're not you know, going to hand Adrian Peterson the ball 15, 16, 17 times a game if he's healthy. It just feels like an extremely Matt Patricia thing to do. He's coaching to save his job. He's coaching to keep his job. And I think uh, Adrian Peterson is a good recipe for that. Um, Swift, it was encouraging to see him involved uh, in the passing game targeted the way that he was obviously the drop touchdown is what's going to be at the forefront of most people's minds uh, but hopefully he can kind of move past that not let it kill confidence too much uh, hopefully he can gain some carries moving forward he's not going to i think take over carries while peterson is there and healthy uh, just for the reasons i already mentioned but if he can stay involved in the passing game he might have some short-term value but Somebody that I'm not going to get too down on long term yet because Peterson's not getting any younger. Uh, He's not going to be there for a super long time. And Cam Akers, you know, didn't have the most productive week one. Uh, Malcolm Brown was the most productive back in that backfield for the Rams. I think that Akers is still going to take that job. Um, This was a less definitive, kind of more murky outcome than some of the other running backs that we had already talked about uh, because Akers was. You know, out there like the starter. Uh, He was involved. He just wasn't super efficient or productive with the opportunities he was given. But I do think the team is going to continue to give him those opportunities. So Akers is still a player that I think is going to be okay. Uh, Again, it's kind of like the other guys. Somebody that short-term, I think, is still going to have some some good value and long-term. Hopefully the Rams long-term can address the offensive line and he can uh, get some improvements in front of him to help out his cause a little bit. But somebody that I think eventually... Within the next couple weeks or so, we'll round out into his own. Now, some of the other deeper running backs that we talked about on the running back show, Keyshawn Vaughn, there's nothing really to say there. I was excited about him at the time. I didn't think Ronald Jones would take the hold on that job. Uh, And then, of course, after that, um, Ronald Jones not only put a pretty big control on that job, but they also signed Leonard Fournette. Um, Yeah, Keyshawn Vaughn, there's nothing to really say right now. We don't know anything. Hopefully that evens out eventually and we could get some glimpses of him. But right now... There's nothing that we know. Same kind of thing for Darrington Evans. Uh, He didn't play in week one. Um, We talked about Darrington Evans before Derrick Henry ended up signing the the big money deal with the Titans Uh, at that point in time. And I had mentioned – I've mentioned before that uh, it was a reason I was looking to potentially move on from Henry in some places because I didn't think he was going to sign that deal with the Titans. And I was concerned about where he may end up long term. But uh, we haven't seen anything from Evans yet. It's tough to really say, but uh, Derrick Henry is locked in as an RB1 or borderline RB1, depending on your view and scoring format, uh, as long as he's there on that deal. Now, Zach Moss, we saw some from. He had the touchdown. Uh, he was involved. It's close to a 50-50 split between him and Devin Singletary, kind of like we had projected. Uh, the most concerning thing about Moss, because it seems like they trust Zach Moss, and He played the Jets, who the Jets are not a good football team, um, but not the worst run defense in the league. I don't expect them. I expect them to be pretty decent against the run for the year. Um, So it was tough to find some running room for Zach Moss. But I guess the most concerning thing was as much as him and Singletary kind of eaten to each other's value, well, Josh Allen also had 14 carries or 14 rushing attempts. And I don't know if that'll be the case every week. I know he had said in the offseason that he was planning to run less this year. But a lot of those runs were designed runs or looked to be designed runs. So that'll be interesting to me uh, to see if Allen does continue to run like that. As if he does, it could kind of eat into both of the running backs' values slightly. Antonio Gibson was the last guy that we had talked about on the running back show. And I pray for Antonio Gibson's sake that... um, Peyton Barber never gets seventeen carries in front of him ever again. <laughs> he had like a very strange, horribly inefficient day. I just want to see Gibson get more opportunity. Uh, uh, you know, Peyton Barber shouldn't be the guy in front of him that's stealing all that opportunity. I hope that the team continues to try and get him more involved. He was out there, and you know, Bryce Love didn't play. Um, obviously, Darius Geis is not on the team for um, for reasons that we're all familiar with at this point. Um, But yeah, Gibson is somebody that I think will hopefully get more opportunities as the year goes on and kind of come into his own as a playmaker there. Now, the wide receiver class, in terms of the rookies, the guys that we talked about on the show, I mean, we hit the big name guys, Judy Lamb and Ruggs all looked good. Uh, Ruggs was really, really looking good and getting featured almost in that half before he went down and was injured. Uh, So hopefully he'll be okay. Judy and Lamb um, were kind of both as advertised, both pretty involved. Uh, Obviously, in Judy's case, Cortland Sutton wasn't on the field. But in C.D. Lamb's case, Gallup was out there, Amari Cooper was out there, and he was getting some targets. So those three guys are still all very exciting to me. A lot of the other guys that we had talked about uh, that I was excited about on the Rookie Wide Receiver Show, it's tough to really make any definitive statements about right now. Uh, T. Higgins, nothing really yet. Chase Claypool had two catches, but there were two very nice catches, but just two catches. Denzel Mims is on short-term IR for the Jets, so nothing we know there. Michael Pittman Jr. played clearly behind T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell, and not much we have seen there. And Brian Edwards is somebody that I've said repeatedly i'm very very excited about in both the short and long term but uh, he was not involved anywhere near as much as i expected in week one for the raiders i think that'll continue to come up uh, but as of right now we've only seen you know one pro catch out of him so hopefully that continues to go up but there's not too too much i could really get into on any of those guys right now pretty excited about them all still long term Um, But where we're at right now, it's tough to give you like an an early week. That's all this is too an early, super early week one reaction to some of the rookies that we had talked about a couple months ago. So that's going to kind of wrap up this episode. Uh, Don't want it to run too, too long, but uh, I appreciate you checking out the show. Appreciate the support as we take it to two times a week while we're in the season here. Uh, We'll have another episode. We're going to do Wednesdays and Fridays because I want to make sure that we can keep the Monday night games into the recap show as well. So, next episode will be out next Wednesday and then the following Friday, as always, uh, as we continue to work through the season and college football gets kicked off now that Big Ten's coming back eventually. Uh, we're going to start getting into some of next year's prospects as well. So, make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast. Follow on Instagram at The Dynasty Drive. Follow on Twitter at Dynasty Drive. Uh, like us on Facebook. Keep any comments and questions coming our way. And uh, good luck to everybody in week two. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you we <laughs>